and we're live. Let's go. Right. What are we starting with again? I don't know what the clouds were. Thunder were. Right. Okay. That's my joke. Right. <laughs> what about the Amazon one? Uh, what do you call two monkeys sharing an Amazon account? Mm-hmm. Prime mates. Right. <laughs> so I'm right. being very functional with the jokes. I think, you know, we're here. And you're leaving no room for the crickets. I'm not leaving. I don't, I mean, that, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm whatever. Uh, we are here for a good time, not a long time. But I think the one thing I would like to take a moment just to acknowledge. What's uh, that? Well, well, I mean, There's some news. Been some news. Well, it's, not, it's, not, it's an event, you know. And as you know, in the United Kingdom, we are very good at the big events, you know, Jubilees. We've had hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, coronations. Coronations. Can you get enough? Mm-hmm. People dying, big horses all mm-hmm. over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And, and today, Chris, I just want to make pause just take to kind pause. of reflect to say that Julie Murdoch, Miss Julie Murdoch, our uh, managing director of Good, has been with the uh, organization now for 12 years. 12 years. 12, 12 years. years. What do you insert there? No, like, you don't insert anything. Please don't insert anything. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't need to infer, we don't need to insert anything. Bells. Uh, 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 bells, bells and bells. chimes and cheers. You know, I mean, we insert a, a round of applause. Well, I think, well, you know. You know, you know, you know 12 years, sir. There you go. Oh, <laughs> there we go. That's well done, Joe. So thank you for the sense. best 12 years of my professional career. <laughs> We would not be here right now without Julie Murdoch. Yeah, you say that. Whatever. All right, I'm not Whatever. having it. Right, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Good Roundup. Uh, good, well... Who are we? Well, let me tell you, we are a brand consultancy based in the United Kingdom, and we work with clients all over the world, man, all over the world. And what we do from time to time is we get together and we write things on our blog, and then we like to come here and talk about things that we wrote on our blog. Like the director's commentary, you could say, on a blog. <laughs> well, you could say, you know, on a podcast, and so that's what we're doing. So uh, I'm going to hand over to Chris, because Chris, he's the man with the questions this time. He's not, he's, I mean, he is writing a, a load. He's like a young uh, J.K. Rowling. Or, I don't know. <laughs> he's not young. I know, but and I'm not. Just and he's not JK Rowling. He's neither of those things. The point I'm making is that he's doing a lot of the writing, and it's all good. But today, oh no, no, he's the man with the questions. Yeah, because I'm getting a bit tired of me having to be the one that's grilled and uh, talk about my stuff. So yeah. today, and to be honest, we are getting a little bit tired <laughs> of listening <laughs> to you. I know you are. I know you are because you you'd never stop telling me. Uh, so Stuart's written an article which Hi. I think was quite interesting. Oh, thank you. Called "What to Do When Your Sales Team Stops Selling." Which I think was quite an interesting title, provocative title. Oh, I'm all likes a bit of the provocativity. The wild man, a brand strategy, love is a provocative title. So the first thing, question I've got, Stuart, is I've got you know question about sort of credibility and understanding what what you know because it sounds like we're out of our lane a wee bit here. What what's this got to do with brand? Fucking everything. So the title. What is really interesting when we do with brand projects is that normally it's kind of that we're coming in to solve a problem, and the diagnosis of the problem from the client side is not necessarily the is not necessarily the ultimate solution. So what will happen is generalization because we are having trouble with X, and normally it comes down to selling, and sometimes that's then kind of. If you, if you kind of assume that you've got a good sales team and that you've got a good product mm-hmm. and you've positioned it well, 
the kind of challenge is, is that, well, you know, why is it not selling? And, and it can be around the crazy stuff. It can be around the smaller stuff. It can be around the way that you're naming the product or you're kind of putting things out. So it, it's just rather than going in talking about brand naming or brand architecture, mm. it was kind of going, actually, if your team's not, if, you're pro, if you've got a problem, the problem is the team aren't selling. The problem isn't the team, it's how they're selling and what they're selling and the complexity around them selling. So you're taking it straight to the value part, which is... What's the cash value? What is the cash value? That's what I'm asking. Mm. This is Stuart's new phrase. This is my new phrase. What's the cash value? But I think it's just to check because this not not to make it all about me, but given it is my 12 year anniversary, well, congratulations. This was, but this was this is something. This was a big part of the first project I was involved in at Good, which was um, Devro. If you remember, at the oh, time yeah. we did a big hura. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, company who make collagen case, collagen casings for sausages mm. um but very interesting business global business and they um there was it was a it was a broader brand piece but as part of that exercise they had identified a challenge they were a business that had grown through acquisition they had lots of brands and sub brands and product brands and products that were called the different things in different regions but essentially were the same thing and part of that exercise was there was so much complexity that over time had been built into their product portfolio that even their sales team couldn't navigate it and so that you know that the output of that from us was essentially a big exercise of recategorizing and naming with a descript taking a descriptive approach which is something we'll probably come yeah. up and talk about all of their 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 full product yeah. range um yeah we do write about that stuff quite a lot, but but what's your take, Stuart? I mean, you're seeing this. I was going to ask you, are you seeing this more now or or not? But how how does this end up happening? You talk about product confusion. What what can you talk? Walk us through that. The road to hell is paper confusion. <laughs> it is indeed. You know, so um, no, nobody's doing this to make to create product confusion. You know, but it, it creeps up on you, and suddenly you look around. So basically, in the article, I go right. Let's launch the XM1. Oh, XM1, that sounds cool. Right, let's have an XM1. Usually a product, a project name within the organization, and everybody goes there, XM1. And then what will happen is you'll put it out to the market, and somebody goes, you know what, it'd be really good if we could put this in a wall, or if this could be freestanding, and, and the product team goes, no problemo. What we're then going to have is the XM SE, and that XM1 SE. And so you've got a variant of that. And these variants just build to the point where you've got the product being used for every possible use case. And then you get the XM1 uh, WSE hyphen D because you've got to then put in a regional prefix in it and everything else. So this thing, and then before you know it, after the course of a couple of years, then what you've got is 16 different products doing the same thing, but multiple variants with different names. And that builds up friction. And that friction is then passed on to the customer to kind of go, you work it out. So you go to a product page with products that will all look generically the same, but with a lot of different prefixes that we have then got to get into. And then you've got to get into and you've got to work out as the customer what is the right fit for you. So that's so why, why, why does why does that happen? It seems really obvious. You know, it, it, how does it, it end up I think, happening? as again, nobody's doing it deliberately. It creeps up and it's easy. You know what? We've got the XM1. So then, so what you've done is you started off on the wrong foot. So what you're not, the XM1 should be a more, as Julie said earlier on, it's a good point to mention, is that it, rather than a project name, which sounds cool, especially in B2B, it should be descriptive. You should say uh, the 
kiosk or the whatever the product that's printer or whatever it is needs to be a bit more descriptive rather than be giving a cool name because clients customers aren't buying cool names or buying products that solve a problem and if you can help them identify quickly in the product through a descriptive name what the product's what the, the solution is in that product is going to be quicker so I, I think it just starts off with coolness and then over the course of time you start building out variant things and then it's got to have a uh a head scanner or something in, and then it's in, and it just builds up and builds up and then before you know it you look behind you and you've just got 16 products mm. all doing the same thing with various names it's just hard so do you is your point there that the portfolios are too inflated with unnecessary variants or is 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 the challenge more around the naming and navigation of those it, it gets to be a bit of both i mean again what will happen is you will launch your hero product and that will be the xm1 and in theory that's okay because you're only talking about one thing and you can you can put all your marketing energy towards one thing. As you start entering into um, variants of what that product can do, like here's the one that sits on a table, here's the one that sits on a wall, here's the one that sits freestanding, and these all get various names, then it can then your product match turns into a, I, think, I can't remember what yeah, I called it. Yeah, a feature it. ends up making its way into the name, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, called it a product soup of shit. A product oh. soup of shit is what you actually <laughs> get. And that, that was a direct quote from client. Going, we've just got, it's, just a, it's just a soup of shit because, you, and then the customer goes, what, what, what's the XM1S32F for? What's the F mean? Oh, that's so you, for the you, French market. You talk to a lot yeah. of sales teams when oh, you're doing this project. And, and it's something I've noticed that we're doing more of, I think, you know, Focusing, yeah, yeah, talking. And, and do you think that we're uncovering more of these problems because we're talking to these? C-suite, we see it that what happens is there's a massive disconnect between C-suite and reality. Yes. So what happens is in the rarefied... Inside out bias. Yeah, in the sure. rarefied atmosphere of the 80th floor where you go, you know, it would be great. We'd really like, you know, our purpose here is to make cheese more palatable b2b brilliant that's a great purpose b2b cheese b2b cheese and then but by the time you actually have that great rarefied thing and it's signed off and it's in a boardroom and it's on an 80 inch screen take that down to a sales guy hawking his b2b wares on a 15 inch laptop if he's lucky uh trying to explain it within three minutes it, there's a disconnect there and what happens is that any brand initiative that is just locked into the c-suite and then proclaimed to the business will not work it will die on the vine because the people where it lives isn't in the c-suite it's living in meetings in a hundred meetings every day and but that's are we not go. missing product as a crucial point in the middle of those because i would argue or not necessarily argue 12 but years. <laughs> 12 years of that. that a lot of the complexity that is built in is driven but in particularly in b2b through the product team because so in between there's a, the idea there's the concept that maybe is lives at c-suite level there's the reality there where the rubber hits the road at the sales level and in between there's lots of complexity around the technology the features the benefits you talk about some of that in your article the feature um, that drives that output into the how it presents itself the, to market that the sales team are then left to navigate. Yeah, the, the point still, rather, even if it's a brand challenge or a product challenge, the place where it actually breaks down and fails and makes it complicated is at the sales level. And that sales level can be a website, that sales level can be a person. And so that, that product, if you're not involving 
in my opinion, salespeople and going, how are you actually selling this? Is this hard? If we add another thing in, now what sometimes happens is the sales, this it goes the other, back, way. It goes the other yeah. way. The sales team kind of then go, look, you know what my customer really wants. They, you know, they want, they yeah. want a thing with a big bedoying, bedoying, they want springy ears on it. And so what you've then got to do is that, that at some point somebody has to come in and as I say, it makes perfect sense because the salesperson's going to make a sale. The product team are excited to add a new feature. But you need that discipline. You need to then have the guidelines at that point to kind of go, right, what are we going to do with this? Do we fold it in as a feature there? How are we going to do it? And that's where descriptive names become your friend. This is interesting because I think it does show that the the, 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 the consultation lives beyond the very narrow parameters of what we call brand. And it, it plays to, I suppose, a, a question about perception, about whether we, we are, you know, whether they see the problem in those terms. And, and whether they see us as a, a suitable consultant to fix those challenges. Because what you're describing is, and, we, and we've seen this before with, a, with a, another client, where they see the problem just as a communication challenge, potentially, rather than a tighter brand problem. You know, and it goes into another discussion about, and I've written another article about brand being a dirty word, and, mm-hmm. you know, please don't mention I'm writing it one thing. too, yeah, so right. we're going to yeah. see who, yeah, who's yeah, better. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you've both written product naming, so yeah. why not let's duplicate all that? Well, because mine's better, <laughs> and I'm not blaming people. <laughs> who gets more views? <laughs> anyway, back to the back They're to becoming the, like monsters. Back to the answer, please. <laughs> Always the question: Who's better at writing article? Seeing the lens, seeing the problem through the lens of brand. I think the challenge is it, 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 because brand is a dirty word sometimes at a certain level, and it seems to be an expense and it's a cost and the word investment. And I saw a thing on LinkedIn the other day about somebody going, "Here's all the stats." about how it. brand is really important for me it's like a it's like a smoking advert you know what i mean you may as well just put an advert, an advert up and say don't smoke because you go well that's for other people that's not going to affect me and i think it's so intangible Some of, yeah they're so abstract aren't yeah, they? yeah. Kind of, you know 200 percent of people you know you're going to get uh, if you really invest in brand and the problem is people have invested in brand nobody's not investing in brand it's just difficult to measure and when you look well, at it, brand means one thing to one group, and it means logos and colors. It means logos and colors to other. So, what you're talking about is very pragmatic. The cash yeah. value, yeah, taking the comb through product names. Yes. But your and, point about your point originally was about that consultative exercise, and I think that's where, and we would always, I think we generally would always stress that at the beginning of a, a project, whatever the remit, really that that. Um, uh, the exercise of speaking to people across the bid- business from, you know, up, up and down and across is a really important... Anyone that's a stakeholder in some part of the process should in- should be involved in that consultative exercise. But I think that, you know, and that for, the, for the, that, so there's generally from... It's not just sales, it might be product, it might be internal comms, it might be brand, it might be marketing, it might be, you know, other players it might be we've spoken to cfos and ctos and also you know and i think that's where you brought you know the the kind of the the broader thinking of what am i trying to say um well the point is about you know is brand yeah, i guess is brand a dirty word it's not just about defining the brand problem it's defining the problem and then understanding how yeah and, and that, that and the viewpoints of what the problem is differs depending on what what position because what we're coming is that the problem is is that they'll sales team will have something handy down to them be, be that a product or a you know or a service and what's happened is it's, it's been dictated by the team at the top and then it's been given to the team at the coalface and very and to quote um 
Harrison Ford when he talked to George Lucas in Star Wars. He said, you know, you can you can write this shit down, but you can't necessarily say it. And I think that's mm. the same thing sometimes with what they say. It's like, going, but please remember to, to talk about sustainability stuff when you're mentioning about this mm. new product. It's really important. Because, no, it's not. It's like, how is it going to make me money or save me money? Mm. That's, a, that's a corporate imperative about mm-hmm. being sustainable. That's great. But when it actually translates to being in a small room for 15 minutes to try and make a sale and persuade somebody that there is a value Mm-hmm. Not just a feature or benefit, but a value in this product. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes disconnected. So that if we do not talk to salespeople, you're you're only shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, but so to what, Julie's on, point, on, you talk about everybody. You so talk to everybody about. And, and in that specific territory about value and sale, are are we able to? And I, you know, I kind of know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Go, go. How? Because you know, business. One of the one of the the, the compelling um, reasons to potentially hire us it's not just about the value that we can create in the long term which is difficult to quantify right over a period of time but a more immediate i suppose impact would be to talk about the money we can save or the money that we can um or you can quantify the the, the lost opportunity how how how, how does that fare the, the first thing i look for when we talk so we'll work with clients and then you'll go how's it going how's that work we did See if I get confident. See if it, see the, the thing because it's difficult to kind of turn it into dollars and pounds because sometimes these sales are are long. If we talk to the people we're delivering for and they say we're a lot more confident in our message or we're a lot more confident promoting, that's a win because that will if the, if you've got sales teams confident in what they're talking about and feel that they know what there is and it's not like do I say this or do they say that if they're very confident in what they're talking about and we've helped create that confidence Extremely, in them, yeah. then that will translate into sales. I guess the next question is, how do we manage to, to ra- wrap that up? And, yeah. Yeah. How, because how I guess the question could be asked is, well, when you're talking to these guys, is how many sales are the, how many sales do you think you're losing because of the product? Well, I mean, but the thing is, that you're, that's, you're talking to people who's, like, traditionally people don't like talking, sales team don't like talking to brand people because what we're mm. doing is changing the way they work. These mm-hmm. guys have got, this is their livelihood. Mm. Directly impacts their livelihood. And if it doesn't you work from for them, sales yeah, and from sales commission, from yeah, commission. Yeah. if they don't, if it's not going to work for them, they're not going to use it. Mm-hmm. So you have to talk to them. You have to get into it. So if you, if they are more confident in that thing, you know that sales are going to come because they're not going to do anything. It's the best bellwether about mm-hmm. if your work's working because mm-hmm. if they're not confident that it's going to get them literally going to line their pockets more and that then mm-hmm. goes up to the corporate level, they're not going to do it. And I get it because... Because I think sometimes there is the that uh, um, almost I think the French call it wanky, you know, the wanky <laughs> way of kind of doing brand marketing, where you kind of go, oh yeah, you know what, this is really important because you know it's the brand, it's the brand, and everything else. This is this is all about streamlining through the brand, making sure it's ownable to the yeah, business. It comes originally or ultimately yeah, from, from the, the brand. brand. And takes that there in a way that's translatable to kind of go, do you feel more confident selling? Which will then translate into sales. So over time, we'll go back and sometimes it can be a year. I'm going to go and talk to the person I have in mind and say, look, it's been out in the road for a year. Did you manage to maintain it? Did you change mm. it? Because it will live and breathe and stretch and pull. And no, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. I love what you're saying. And I, I just, my, my thought is I'm interested more about the, the client's perspective and, and, and whether, you know, whether that we are perceived as as people that can fix those problems in the first place, because I, I believe I, I agree with you, but it's just how potentially it comes back to that that challenge around brand. But anyway, and how it's how it's seen. 
So, go, but these sorry. other things. Sorry to butt in, but I think the other point on this is that these um, challenges very seldom. I don't know if they ever have presented themselves as a you know that's this isn't the Stuart's point maybe from the beginning. This isn't a problem that clients come to us with in isolation. It's yeah. generally something uncovered. that's uncovered as part of a broader consultation or discovery exercise. So, um. Yeah, um, yeah I, can, I can think of a, a client project right now where their focus is more around the way things look and our focus or one of our early rec- points of recognition is the fact their portfolio is horrendous to navigate mm. and they don't see that as being in scope. And but, and I understand that as well. That's why you need to do it. Because, because it's say, difficult. Well, as I say in the article, this isn't easy. This yeah. is very easy. And, what, and we stress this when we go in is that we understand what we are asking you to do is difficult because it means changing a lot and investing a lot. And it's not a leap of faith because we talk to customers who kind of go, oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not. And well, which also, is very powerful. And also, the kind of, I don't know. But there's also the kind of thing what is very powerful is that the, if there is resistance to it, it's kind of go, oh, yeah, but our clients kind of know what we are and know the names. And then when you talk to clients, if we could rename this, and you've got to be careful with the questioning, and I'm not being careful just now because I'm trying to make a point, but... You don't want to lead the question, obviously, but what you're asking is, if this changed tomorrow, if this meant from A to B, how would that impact you? And they go, I don't care. Because, don't care. because what just want to make yeah, it easy. So mm. people, they just want to make it easy. Does it still do the thing? Well, I still get 24-hour support. Mm-hmm. All the things around, the product that's in and of itself is there to solve a problem. If you can make that easier to solve the problem, they will buy quicker. It happens every time. And a lot, there's a great moment of presentation where you just know the thing is, yeah, but our customers, the thing about our customers, well, the thing you don't understand about our customers is they, they really love this brand. Yeah. I mean, no, they don't. They really love the solution it provides. And that's what we've got. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other podcast. And, I think we've talked about it before. And we? Yeah, and I think, and that's, yeah, and we have talked about it before, you know, change is, um, change is manageable, but it has to be managed. You know mm-hmm. I mean, it's that point about just... That's beautiful, Julie. No wonder you've been years. Here. That's, that's, that's 12 years. Years. I think no. I think he said that I've read off on his right. article. I think so. Shut up. <laughs> what about that? I think he got it from one of mine. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. You're both wonderful. Thanks, Joe. Oh, that, that was an, that was a, that, so that was a that was a, uh, a gap there. Um, no, I'm just thinking. I'm just I like thinking. that. Um, I don't think I've got anything. Well, I mean. So yeah, product confusion is a thing. It's a thing that happens. It's a thing that creeps up in you. It's a thing that's easy. It's like you know, it's like boiling a frog. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of there, and you're you're going, Christ, it's it's quite cold, and then suddenly it gets hot, and you don't really notice it, but your customers are noticing it. You then decide to put two hundred variants of the same product up on a website. You don't quite understand where it is because you get it, you understand mm-hmm. it, but you're passing the friction on from an internal friction out to and, and getting your customers. The, the the other thing I mentioned in the article is that. All this will get put on a website and 60% of the interaction before reaching out to a salesperson is happening because we're, we've now got all the tools that we can research it and understand. And if you're faced with a product, if you go on a website and you're faced with similar things, especially my favorite ones are when you go onto the product page and it's all the same product, but it's all, you know, same product yeah. photography. <laughs> so it's the same thing yeah. with a different name of the thing. You go, oh, and, and again, internal teams, product team, sales team, everybody can can explore that and understand what it is. And they go, oh, yeah, the 3892. I love it when you talk to guys, go, what's the 3892? Oh, let me tell you. And there's always a little bit of, yeah. let me enter the club. So the first two letters, right, that's the voltage, okay? The, 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 the 
fourth letter is for the country code and the other one is just well we just might give that that's uh, the secret sauce and you kind of go that's an internal thing you're not helping anybody you're passing on friction so and that's where we talk about the inside out bias so that's how it kind yeah. of presents itself here isn't mm. it and we've seen it so many times with you know like how, what what does that mean and yeah. it is that's and that's kind of linking back to the point originally about product teams and not to diss product teams because they're a very smart and insightful group of people but and clever but when it comes to naming products, either they tend to go one end of the spectrum where they go with something that's completely abstract because they get to do the fun bit of naming products, which is equally meaningless, or you see the very kind of, you know, internally generated product codes basically, which make their way yeah. into, make their way into the. Well, I mean, and just to steal thunder and win a Chris's top-ranking article, so that's what Apple did. Apple, Apple did a kind of thing called um, uh, for their uh, headset. The rumor where it was going to be called Reality XR. And so that's what it was called. So everybody's going, oh, Reality XR. And they've copyrighted the name and everybody was going. So that's an internal product code. So what they've called it is like the Reality XR project. I would imagine it's probably called Project Sheila or something. I don't know. But then it's got to the next stage and it's like Reality XR and Reality OS and all that kind of stuff. And then when it got launched, it was called Vision Pro because there is a difference between how you describe something to your market and how you use something internally. And that's where Apple, again, are, you know, Reality XR would have been a perfectly good well, that, and, they yeah. have, and they would have pushed, pushed billions off it to make it stick in the head. But they went, no, it's Vision Pro. Well, right? the, the discipline, the point I wrote about that was just that the, the, the corporate discipline that's needed to hold your nerve and, and maintain that convention is, is impressive because in lots of organizations, the, pr- the pressure to call it something crazy because it's new and groundbreaking yeah. is extremely strong. Yep. But when you look at it from the consumer point of view, which is your your point, it needs to fit. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to fit coherently into a, a portfolio yeah. and make sense, and and it does. And hats off to them for it because you know they are always. And, and the thing it, it fits into the convention because everybody's got three and a half thousand dollars for a headset. And you're off your map, but it's embedded in the name because Pro is always the most expensive thing yeah. that they do. So yeah. I mean, there's the Mac Pro, which starts off at seven thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. The the MacBook Pro, I don't know how much is it, but it's at least two and a half grand. And so what they're doing is like Pro is the the phone. There's the Pro, and it's the all that is at the high end of the market. Yeah. So yeah, it's expensive. So they've yeah, always been convent, they've invested in creating those conventions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it makes sense. All right. Well, I hope you're inspired. <laughs> well, I just thought it was a really interesting take on it, and I, and I like the fact that you're you're talking about it from sales back, yeah, rather than from brand forward. Yeah. And I think when you talk about it from sales back, you can isolate and highlight the problem more easily um, because it's linked to value and uh, that then creates a a, a generates a business case to change it right yeah yeah if you can recognize it again sometimes when we bring it up the julie says they're going to go oh no because it is hard and i'm not under it it's easy for us to identify they've got to pick the right time to change because there are other things at play in there supply chain agree you know all that stuff and but the, my God, you do make life easier and yeah. you'll make money quicker and all that stuff. Well, you stuff. think about the customer, yeah. Yep. Good. Right. That was fun. 12 uh, years. I mean, we'll be, Next time it'll be 12 years in a week. Oh, the way, the way we're locking <laughs> this out, it'll be 13. For a month. <laughs> <laughs> right, probably. <aren't> <laughs> right. Okay. Thank Just you. Bye. 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 Bye.